Episode 27, Beth Tassion. Right now, take a moment to pause and take a breath. Move some part of your body and take another breath. Notice how you feel. You're listening to the Taylor Fit Wellness Podcast, where we explore wellness topics from A to Z so that we can take an active approach to improving our quality of life. Okay, here we go. I am so happy to have Beth Tassion with us today. Thank you so much for joining us, Beth. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I am so excited for our conversation. I would love it if you would let us know a little bit more about yourself and how you came to do what you do so our listeners can get to know a little bit more about you. Oh, sure. Thanks. Um, so let's see. <laughs> I feel like yoga has somehow been a part of my life. Um, kind of always in a weird way. Um, and the earliest memory I have is um, when I was like four and I'm dating myself. Lilia Salon <laughs> used to be on uh, PBS. Let's say, say it again. Who is it? Lilia Salon. Lilith Falan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She was on PBS. She's a yoga teacher. She was on PBS and she, um, I just was intrigued with her long black or dark hair ponytail and her leotard. And I, I don't know, she was just, I think my mom would have her on. I have no idea why. Yeah. My mom wasn't doing the yoga, but she'd have her on and I would just go lie in the, in the den and try to do the poses. Oh. And my older, one of my older brothers would just come and sit on top of me. <laughs> of course, right? <laughs> yeah, always in plow pose. Always. <laughs> um, so I got really good at plow. Um, <laughs> oh my God, yeah. I can imagine it now, Beth. <laughs> um, so, but there was something about this practice and this, and this woman in particular that I was just drawn to it. And um and then it came about again in high school. It's, it's been one of those practices that I've, you know, started and left and started and left. And yeah. in high school, I had, we had a teacher who, um, we had these packages where you could do like volleyball, gymnastics and soccer. And then you could do like dance and yoga and something else, golf, I don't know, tennis. Yeah. And so you got to choose a package. Um, oh, nice. And so I ended up choosing this package that had yoga and it had dance in it and something else. We'll say tennis yeah. for lack of something better. Uh-huh. And so the yoga part, we would go into this um, like storage closet, basically, with like <laughs> cones and hula hoops and jump ropes and stuff. And the teacher, there were probably like five of us who chose this package. She like made this space enough that we could put out yoga mats maybe there were like six or seven yoga mats for how, however many like in herself and everything yeah. and she would take us through a yoga practice um and it was really simple it was like cat and cow and cobra and maybe some lunges um yeah. and shavasana and that was it and maybe a little meditation and I have to tell you that was like the best 40 minutes of my day, total, I still am, but I was even more of a type A stressed out teenager. Um, And those 40 minutes to like disappear into that closet. Um, And like, it didn't matter. Like it was truly one of those moments of like Pratyahara where the the, the, the whistles and the shouts and all of that, because it was right off the gymnasium there. But it was like we shut the door and we went into this space and it's like those, oh. none of that mattered anymore. It was the calm and the, the eye of the storm, right? Yeah, right. Oh, and great. I remember us sitting there doing this meditation um, with a candle and just watching the candle and watching the changes in the candle and feeling like there was this energy in the room because of, you know, all of our energy in the room were affecting this candle and just feeling yeah. like, oh, this is magical. I never want to leave, never want to leave. And so, and so then we went on and the, the, you know, the, the six weeks of that yoga cycle or whatever were over, but like something about it stayed with me. And I just kept kind of touch, touching back to that practice a little bit in college. And then 
it wasn't until I was in um, um, acting in New York that I was like, I think I need a little yoga. In my life. <laughs> oh my God, you would, right? Acting can be so stressful, right? That, that there's the fun part, right? And then there's the yeah. other part, like all the, the business side of it. Yeah. Right? And the auditions and the, you know, I, you know, am I going to get yeah. this one? Am I not going to get this one? This is yeah. this callback, what's going to happen? You know, all of that. And then just life, you know, yeah. um, New York is so wonderful. It's my favorite place in the world, but it is stressful. Yeah. Um, and so I started taking class at the Shivananda Center, which was on like, I lived on 22nd Street at the time. And so that was maybe like at, I don't know, 24th Street, 25th Street. Just a few oh, right. Close. Oh, great. Yeah. 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 So yoga it, kept coming in, right? Like yoga was a constant kind of thing that kept coming in. Cool. That's right. It just kept calling me back. Yeah. And so, yeah, just going into the Shivananda Center, which I don't know if you've ever been there. It was so beautiful. It's like. I, it, it just the entry was like this little, it almost like a little forest. They just had this beautiful garden, basically. But in New York, it's oh, not like nice. a forest, right? Well, in, in New York, in. yeah. A garden in New York is, is a beautiful thing to see, definitely. Yeah. And again, it was like, you just, I felt like the same feeling. I disappeared into that space. And it didn't matter that the cars were, you know, going along 8th Avenue. Who cared? Because um, I was in this, just I felt held by that that studio and those teachers and that practice in such a way. And then it just yeah. from that evolved. Um, so good. And I, he, but I do remember walking out of that uh -huh. studio one day and saying, I'm going to teach yoga. I want to teach wow. yoga. Yeah. It was like probably, I don't know, 15 years before I ever even considered teaching yoga, but wow. somewhere deep in my gut, I just walked it out of the studio. And I just said, I'm going to teach yoga someday. I hear a theme here, Beth. Here's a theme that I hear. There was a time that was stressful and there was an opportunity that presented itself. Maybe not when you were four, right? Maybe, I don't know, were your brothers sitting on you? Like, 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 it, like I have two older yeah, brothers. It could be really stressful. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So maybe this is, a, this is an ongoing theme. So a stressful situation, right? And then yoga, like then there's this, this thing that like yoga, like, like, emerged like it presented itself so and and this idea of pratyahara like this idea of being able to kind of close off everything and come into this like focus on peacefulness um you know so and you mentioned in in high school like like as a type a teenager right like so i bet you were like one of those like straight a's type right Yes, oh, yeah. yes. And that, that's still a recurring theme that we're working okay, through. <laughs> okay, an achiever, an achiever, a doer, right? And then you found, and you found then this, oh yeah, there's this thing that was pretty cool that was a peaceful moment and then you were able to do it again. And then in the yoga, um, and then, sorry, when you came to New York and you were in the acting world and there was some stress, stressful situations, then you found this peace this peaceful place that was like this literally garden in the middle of the city, right? Which you don't find, but this beautiful respite from the loud, you know, stressful, you know, other stuff. Um, and then at this idea of, of teaching yoga, let me, I'm curious, actually, like when you began teaching yoga, like, was there kind of some stressful things going on at that moment that had you switch or like, what was the impetus to then be like, cause you said you didn't do it till 15 years later. Right. So Something what was the, like that. the impetus that was like, okay, that's it. I'm teaching yoga. Like, what was that leap there? What was going on in your life at that time? Yeah. Maybe it wasn't 15 years, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think I had gotten to a point where I was just ready to take a break from acting. Okay. Um, I'd just done a one woman show and I was, it went like, yeah, it was beautiful. It was really wonderful. Oh my God, really a one woman hard. show? That's so cool. You have to tell me about this show. Like, <laughs> tell me a little bit about the show and then like. Yeah. So, um, well, a good friend of mine and I were in a monologue class together and, um, well, we met in the class and we both were working on these varying monologues in our, we had a wonderful teacher, the most amazing teacher. Uh -huh. Who as was any teacher goes, you know, any others of acting, you just yeah. know a good teacher. Who was the teacher? Just I Karen Kohlhaas. Karen Kohlhaas. Kohlhaas. Okay. Or she was then, I think she's still involved, the Atlantic Theater Company. Okay. And um, yeah, she just paired us together and we started working on monologues. And then it's part of the, 
part of the course went on and we studied with her for like a year. Like one of the things she asked us to do was to, to, de- to develop a monologue from a non-traditional piece, right? So from a story or whatever. Yeah. And so my friend Anne decided to take this novel that she was reading and take a, create a monologue from it. I did the same, but from another story, um, which has nothing to do with the, um, the one woman show, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, but that was the impetus for it. So Anne had created this monologue from this story that she loved and decided that she wanted to see if she could work it into something larger. And at, the, at it around the same time, I was reading this book called The Slant of Sun, um, which is a beautiful book written mm-hmm. by a woman named Beth Kephart, who was writing about her son, who this- was diagnosed with autism. Oh, the this. What, tell me the title again. A slant of sun. A slant of sun. Okay. Yeah. It's so this so Beth Kephart, um, the author, is a beautiful writer, and autism is just uh, uh, something I've always been interested in. In fact, there was a point in my life where I was gonna, be, I wanted to study being a teacher to teach to work with autistic kids. Yeah. But. Anyway, whole different set of circumstances brought me to another place in my life. But um, I've always been really interested in it. And so my husband said, hey, here's this really cool book. I bet you love it. And so I decided to read it. And from the moment I started it, I was hooked. Wow. And I just, as I was reading it, I could see in my head this one moment show. Oh, like wow. I could just see it and feel it. And so I went to my friend. I said, you're going to think this is crazy, but what do you think about this idea? And what do you think about like just trying to workshop together your pieces, my pieces, and maybe we could reach out to Karen and just workshop a little bit. And then, and so little by little, that's what we did. And then she ended up working with a different, you know, with a director that she found. And then I found a director, but through Karen. um, Mm -hmm. And then I was able to get it accepted into the Fringe Festival, the New York City Fringe Festival and was able to perform it. And it was just really wonderful experience. Wow. Um, it was one of, one of those things when I started acting that, you know, they're like, what are your five-year goals? What are your 10-year goals? That, yeah. you know, everybody does. And a one-woman show was on there and I'd forgotten about it until I'd actually completed it. And I was like, oh, come to think about it. By the way, like, check that one off the list, right? That's Gotta awesome. take that one off the list. Um, but yeah, I just finished that. Um, and I was exhausted because it was a really crazy summer of doing that and a few other things and teaching and whatnot. And so yeah. I was like, I just need a little break. And what yeah. do I want to do? What else, what else would I want to do if this break decides to be a more permanent break? Yeah. Um, and so it was between, like, I love to bake. But then I thought, you know, I love to eat what I make. <laughs> <laughs> So how good is that to like become a baker when you like to eat well too much the things you bake and will I have the restraint to stay healthy and I was like but I also love yoga um and so I was just tooling around and I took some some like baking classes even though I always baked on my own since oh cool probably I was four um with my family (laughs) so baking was always a part of my life and yoga and I just realized there was just something so always coming from a movement place in my world, in my life that, oh, wait, why, why wouldn't I do this? And then I remembered that little voice that said, oh, you're going to teach yoga someday. Right. Um, Oh, you said it years before. Wow. Yeah. And so then I just decided to, to dip my toe in and explore. And, um, and that probably took, I don't know, maybe like a year or so before I figured out where I wanted to study and, um, and that I really wanted. And then, but when I, when I went in, I went in fully knowing, okay, I'm, I really want to teach. I really wow. want to. And of course, type A Beth came back. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to win this. You're going to get it. You're going to go do it. Go Beth. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's amazing. I love that. So that's such a, a great story. Just, you know, you had done this, like this huge accomplishment and I'm sure there was a lot involved in that. And then, and then the yoga just kind of flowed back in. I want to come back to this idea of Pratyahara. For those of our listeners who maybe don't know what Pratyahara is, can you explain a little bit about Pratyahara? 
Yeah, um, I mean, my experience and understanding of it is that moment, and I don't, it's funny because I don't think it's anything we actively cultivate, but I think it's something we can sort of set the, um, set the environment for um, or create the environment for. It's that moment when life is still happening, right? The dogs are barking, the kid is crying, the doorbell is ringing, that Calgon moment. Yes, Calgon, take me away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, all of that life stuff is happening, but it no longer, like, you're no longer affected by it in a real negative way, or you don't feel like you need to tend to it. Not that you wouldn't tend to your try- crying child, but like, <laughs> right, I can, I can acknowledge that, oh, great, someone's at the door, a delivery person, and my dogs are going crazy. But in this moment, I can choose not to get drawn away from whatever it is that I'm doing, mm. right? Because it's not an emergency, it's no fire, yeah. right? It's that oh moment where you can stay fully with yourself, acknowledging, but that stuff doesn't come in and pull you out of whatever it is that you're doing. Mm. That's my that's my experience or my take on Pratyahara. Oh, wow. I think that's such a profound point that, I feel like it's so easy for a lot of us to feel like things are just kind of going, 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 and sort of never pausing. You know, it's like those little things are, they're not a fire, you know what I mean? But I feel like we treat them as though they are like doing the dishes is not like, like putting a fire out, you know, but it's one of those things that has to get done. You know, I've, I've kind of coined this, uh, this phrase. It's like, doing the dishes stress, you know, like I caught myself once I was just doing the dishes one day and I realized because things were going, going, going in the day that as I was doing the dishes, I was literally like holding tension in my body while doing the dishes. So once I figured that out, I was like, oh, interesting dishes, stress. And then I found it in other places. Oh, interesting laundry stress. Oh, interesting. Getting from point A to point B stress. And there's like all this stress, like throughout our day that you actually can let go of. Like, I suppose if you could think of like a moving pratyahara, like that would be kind of an interesting kind of thing to cultivate, you know, um, I love that idea of a moving pratyahara. <laughs> pratyahara love right? That's awesome. But yeah, that's exactly right. Um, yeah. Because it is, I think, I think the word that you used so beautifully was that, the pause, right? Just taking that moment to pause. Like it literally takes a second, a breath. Yeah. <laughs> and that moment in pausing can be so illuminating, right? Uh-huh. To, to the stress that you're carrying or to the, wait a second, this is not a priority. Why am I doing the dishes, right? I have a fire to put out or <laughs> like, is it, a, is it a distraction, right? Or yeah. Right. That moment to pause. And then it suddenly just brings you right back into, into the moment, into the present. Can I, I, I want to, I'm going to get something and I'm going to be right back. I want to show you something and our listeners okay. won't be able to see, but I just want to show you something and I'll, I'll cut out the pause, but hold the, hold one second. I'll be right back. Okay. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, it's a two minute timer. It's like literally like a little tiny hourglass. I found it at the dollar store, but I got it really on purpose because I was listening to, I think it was Gabor Mate and Gabor Mate was talking about, I think, um, idiopathic illnesses. So he's, he's a doctor and he was talking about like all of these illnesses that come up. There's a lot of like stress related illness. And, um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure this was Gabor Mate that was talking about it. Um, I was going through kind of a rough patch and I remember finding different people to listen to. He was one of them. And um, one of the things that he said was it takes two minutes to change your state of mind. Mm. So in the moment when you are like feeling stuck, you're feeling like that lowest of low, you're feeling like, you know, every, the world is ending, you know, um, it's so easy to just kind of continue to spiral down. And what do you do with that? And, and it was so profound for me when I heard him say, it takes two minutes to change, but you have to just pause in the moment and just notice that's where you're going. And then you actually, you actually can make a choice, right? So I got this little two, 
two minute timer. And I'm sharing this with my kids. Like I'm sharing this, like kids, listen, if you're in the pit of despair, you know, this like mom thing, like here's what you do, like trying to teach them the tools. Right. So I have this little timer as like a visual reminder and I keep it on the kitchen table. And because it literally, it takes two minutes and you can pull yourself out of the pit of despair. This is, you know, my, my takeaway from Gabor Mate. And if I, if I just think of that, because we're human, we're all going to go through highs and lows and so on. And, um, you know, that's part of being human, you know, and just as a visual reminder that, you know, if you can just pause and notice, like I'm here in this place, you might have a choice to like make a change, Mm -hmm. you know, um, (laughs) I'm going to grab one more thing. Are you okay? Like, yeah, I love that timer. Bye bye. I keep running away and coming back. This is like so uncharacteristic. I wonder if I could find this, but this was a reading that I did at the last um, yoga class that I taught. So I'm teaching online yoga, like in the, in, in the mornings, usually, um, oh gosh, it was a Pema Chodron quote. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find the quote, All right. but I'll just, I have this little tiny book. It's the pocket Pema Chodron. It's like one of my favorite books. And I, 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 pretty much at the end of every yoga class, I'll read one excerpt from this. And I used to only read like the, the kind of rainbows and sunshine verses, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the only the ones, oh, let's pick a good positive one, right? And I probably skipped about half of the book that way because she talks about like when you get into the pit of despair, you know, what do you do? And, and she talks about like, um, what is it, happiness without a hangover? That's one of the titles. It's like, oh, I'm not going to talk about hangovers in yoga class, you know, like, well, but you know what, we're, it's human, you know, and we're, it's part of life. And, um, you know, so I just started reading the whole book. I've like read this through like many, many times, like from beginning to end, random pages. Um, at this point, what I do is I just I flip through the book and I pick like a random page and I open that one. So just the other day, I, re- I read one that, that kind of reminded me of this idea of, you know, related to this little hourglass idea. If you're in a place where, you know, um, you notice you're going that downward spiral, um, like is what you're doing going to be helpful or going to help turn things around. So it's kind of a little bit more of a commentary on the choice we have in those moments. So, um, you know, <laughs> I just, thought, I just thought I had to share that like in the moment. Yeah. But I think that speaks so well to this idea of, 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 of just that moment of pause, whether yeah. it's 10 breaths or your two minute timer mm-hmm. um, or your asana class, right? That's sort of yeah. how I look at this practice of this, larger pause, right, in yes. the middle of our day, right, because most everybody isn't, is coming, we're, we're all coming from somewhere, let me say it that way, yeah. and, you know, we have an hour for, you know, maybe 75 minutes, maybe yeah. 90 minutes, but yeah, in the yeah. grand scheme of thing, it's a small chunk, it's literally a pause in your bigger day, yeah. but that's this wonderful opportunity, just like your two-minute timer, yeah. to say, well, great, I have, I have two minutes, to breathe, to make a choice. And in those 60 minutes, it's like that whole 60 minute of a pause yeah. of, of mm. creating this container for yourself. Oh, I um, love to think about the yoga class as the whole class is like a pause, like yeah. what a great visualization, like just to think of it as a pause. And it really and is. To make a choice. It is. Right. It's mm-hmm. a, I mean, you've made the choice to come. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so right? That's yeah, those 60 minutes. Um, (laughs) but no, I mean, it's really become like this pause to do your life differently with the hope that what you're, you know, what you've chosen to do in that, um, little container of 60 minutes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's a sort of, for me, what my, what I always hope for my practice and for even my teachings that, that there's a way that it bleeds off of your mat and into your life and in yeah. often ways that we don't know, but ideally ways that we do know. So we come back to that idea of choice, right? Choice, like yeah. I can choose to get frustrated, you know, the 56th time I've gone around the parking lot of the place I have to teach and there's no place to park, <laughs> yeah. right? Even when I've made the choice to leave an extra 15 minutes for this or... <laughs> Right, I can choose, yeah, to take a breath, yeah, and to reset. And okay, like we're gonna figure this out. You got this kind of mantra that yeah. I come back to. Okay, um, yeah. And so I feel like you know, like that's sort of for me what is so important about this practice. It's 
less about um, this, less about, you know, asana that we're doing and more about like, how do we take the mindfulness, right, of the poses or what we're cultivating on their mat via the poses? How do we take that mindfulness, that awareness off, right? And, mm-hmm. and live it a little bit yeah. more, whether, however that shows up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's in, I think it's in really looking at those moments when you can choose to pause. Yeah. Um, Cause then you can make the choice. Yeah. You mentioned when you're driving around the parking lot for like the umpteenth time, yeah. right? Like a, we got this, right? A mantra. Um, can you talk a little bit more about mantras? And like, I think it's such a buzzword and like, you know, do that, you know, there's lots of different ways to look at it. Like, what is a useful way, like, you know, that, that mantras like can be like in, put into your, into your day. And, and maybe you have a few of them for us. I, I do actually, but can I tell you a funny story about a mantra? Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's actually when I was in high school uh-huh. doing that, doing that yoga portion of my phys ed packet, I'm just imagining the hula hoops hanging on the wall right now. Like, yes, hula, I'm not kidding you. The hula hoops, the cones, the jump ropes, the whatever other equipment and the cement floor. And, oh, gosh. Right? It's got to be a like, cement floor. Fluorescent light. There was nothing. Like, like, I'm not kidding you. A storage closet. Exactly what you can imagine. Um, wow. My mom asked me uh, when I came home, I was like, oh my God, I'm doing yoga in my PT class. It's so great. She's like, oh, that's great. She's like, do you have a mantra? And I looked at her, I'm like, no, we use yoga mats. (laughs) Well, see, your mom was watching those videos. She was watching the videos. She knew what a mantra was to ask you. Okay. (laughs) I'm I'm thinking like a mantra is something I sit on. And like, what did I know (laughs) from mantra? I was 15 years old. And she was like, hello. Oh, that's great. I love it. And what is a mantra anyway? Is it something you sit on? <laughs> so, so for, for, well, you now know, I know to... what a mantra is. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it only took me, I don't know how many years. Um, so, so for mantra, um, you know, um, I was just actually just sharing this in the class um, last week. We were taught our month of May, we were focusing on uh, meditation and leaving meditation into our asana practice and the, the you know the, it can be a, a formal seated practice but it could be your practice right mm-hmm. it could mm-hmm. be your asana practice becomes your meditation and it could be interspersed into your asana practice it doesn't have to be its own thing this is my opinion right yeah. it's my humble yeah. opinion yeah as someone who has trouble sitting in meditation who oh. is a mover by nature um and so my asana practice over the years has become my own meditation although I try really hard now more and more because I do see the benefits of being still um but um but we were talking about mantra and while I love you know Sanskrit mantra it's just so beautiful um and something about the 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 words um and the sound are, are so deeply affecting I I did say to my students I said but if there's something like a phrase or something that you need to hear, that you need to tell yourself, it's going to be just as effective. Um, and I think it really unlocks something for one of my students in particular, who, um, who I think she's a devoted practitioner, um, but has struggled, like we all have in one way or another with the practice. Um, and I think just giving her the permission to say, you know, it doesn't have to be a traditional Sanskrit phrase, phrase. right? As your mantra, it, it's got to resonate with you. With you. Um, this is actually a good point to bring up. Like, so there, you know, like a mantra in Sanskrit would be like a, a, a phrase that you would say of Sanskrit words. Yeah, right? it could Which be is, like Om Shanti Shanti, right? Over and over right. and over. Or, mm-hmm. you know, um, Loka Samasta Sitino Bhavantu, right? Right, which you might hear at the end of a yoga class, right? That's well. right. May so all beings everywhere be, be happy. Right. So it translates to may all beings everywhere be happy. Right. So um, so you could say it in Sanskrit, like if you were to repeat it in Sanskrit, like that's one way to do it. But this idea of saying phrases like in your own language that 
makes makes sense to you like may all beings everywhere be happy like it could be that instead yeah or and it could that be might as simple be, as breathing right breathe yeah right? just breathe that's when i come back to just breathe. just breathe just breathe Beautiful. and that, that, that can't tell, i mean for me mm-hmm. that just has such resonance and and so my and i did i shared this with my students my mm-hmm. phrase that I, and I'm not kidding you, daily, regularly, hourly, <laughs> it's just breathe, you got this. Just breathe, you got this. And it, this is just, mm-hmm. it just it goes in my head and it slows me down. It Perfect. focuses me. Oh, so I breathe a and I can effect. say, yeah, direct yeah. effect. The direct yeah. effect. And you said you're a mover by nature. Right. So for any of your other movers by nature out there, anybody who's like achievers, right? Doers, right? That could be a great moment to just pause, right? There's the pause again. There's the pause. That's so good. That's right. You take the pause, you take the breath, you got the mantra, just breathe, you got this. And it and it does for me reframe that type A-ness of, oh my gosh, I gotta get it all done right now. No, you got this one thing at a time. Just do this, right? Just we got do this, this, then do and this, then, then do and that. Then right? the save you some save roof. It could save you from overwhelm, right? If sometimes right. you feel overwhelmed, there's like so much to do. Just do the next thing, right? That's right. That's right. So, as I was saying to my students, like if there is something that you need to hear, because we mm-hmm. all know, we all know mm-hmm. what we need to hear at some point, right? We all know it. Yeah. And it's just trusting that that that, that message is okay to hear. Mm-hmm. And is it, is the mantra, like, would you think of the mantra, like the thing that you need to hear? I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. do. Um, I want to share with you. Um, I had a friend, I have a friend um, who went through something very, very tough. Um, very, very tough and um, had to take things like literally one moment at a time. And they shared with me their phrase. Their phrase was, one breath, one second, one moment, one hour, one day at a time. Mm. And they just kept repeating this to themselves. And I've actually taken this on for myself as well. In those moments that are challenging, right? One breath, one second, one moment, one hour, one day at a time. And you just, you make your way, right? You make your way little by little, and then you just breathe through it. So Mm -hmm. I found that really helpful. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked about, you know, a couple of things so far. Um, pratyahara, finding the calm in the storm, right? Coming back, like coming back to those things that support you, like coming back to yoga again and again and again, getting an instinct around like the thing that we need to hear, the mantra, right? What is it that you need? Like, and you have an instinct about this. Like, what do you need right now? Right. And maybe it's like, just breathe. You got this. Right. So um, I love that we kind of hear these kind of similar things, pratyahara, calm in the storm, mantra, um, you know, and if you are a mover by nature, like what are things that can do to help you? Um, What do you think about this idea of um, mantras as opposed to affirmations? Like, are they different or are they kind of the same? You know, that's a great question. I think they're different mm-hmm. in nature, but I think you can, they can be utilized in a similar way. That makes sense. That makes like sense. as a tool, but yeah. I don't necessarily know that like a mantra has to be an, an affirmation mm-hmm. in the sense mm-hmm. that I think of an affirmation, like, uh, you know, you're stronger than you think, or, you know, mm-hmm. which is great. Who doesn't yeah. want to hear that? Um, yeah. But I think for me, the mantra Again, I've, I've come up with my little phrase over and over again, but it's really come out of mm-hmm. just that, that need to remember to breathe, that need yeah. to remember. And if, if you need to remember that you are stronger than you think, yeah, that's your mantra. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember, um, you reminded me, there's, there's a, it's a quote from Winnie the Pooh, and I think that might be... Um, if I can find it, let's see. Um, I love Winnie the Pooh. Isn't Winnie the Pooh so good? Oh my gosh. 
Winnie the um, Pooh is so good and so calming. We went when my daughter was a little bit younger. She went through a Winnie phase, like big time, where we would watch the movie from like 1960, whatever, uh-huh. over and over and over. And it was so beautiful Aww. and calming and simple and Isn't lovely. It so good? Like that friendship piece, that kindness piece, that acceptance. Was it's just- beautiful, isn't it? Here's a quote from Winnie the Pooh. You're braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, smarter than you think, and loved more than you'll ever know. Hmm. Isn't that fun? You're bringing tears to my eyes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? It is. Mm-hmm. What a great thing to share with, with kids, but adults too, though, right? That's right. But yeah, can you imagine like, I'm going to have to, I, I hadn't paid attention to that. So I'm going to have to pay attention to that more. My kid's nine, so she's not so Winnie the Poohish, but she's still <laughs> young enough that I can probably leave it in in a sweet, funny, <laughs> silly way like I like to do. Um, yeah, right. She's, yeah, she's, it's, a, it's so fun to think of like, um, you know, the things that we can share with our kids. Like your mom shared yoga with you when you were four. It sunk in. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good Lord. Yeah. 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 Let's see. So um, uh, just thinking about like, you mentioned having trouble with sitting meditation, right? Like being a mover and a a doer, right? Any, anything that you can think of that might be um, related to that, that might, you might've found helpful on your journey. Cause you said, you mentioned you want, you want to do it more like number one, well, why do it more? And, you know, because you, you seem inspired, like, yes, this will be a good thing, right? Your instincts are telling you that. And, and for, for those of, so, you know, why sitting meditation, like, and, and as a, as a mover, what have you found that helps? So I guess those two things. Yeah. So of course, my type A says, hmm, <laughs> <laughs> you should meditate. Um, uh, so yes, there, 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 I can't lie that it's not out of a, that's not born out of a, you should, should do it, right? It's good for you. It's like taking your vitamins or whatever. Um, But no, um, I do believe in, in the practice of meditation, having, uh, I think there's, I think there's so much value in our world of constant busyness and constant, you know, constant movement that isn't necessarily mindful movement, right? Because we're all yeah. like, even just the the jumping from, you know, one screen to another and the, the fastness of everything. I think there's so much value in being still, yeah. which is a big part of why I teach restorative yoga. Because um, the stillness, I feel like it, it, we, our nervous system needs it. Um, so the, the conscious choice to be still I think is a powerful one. Um, yeah. And I think for me, as, as someone who likes to physically move um, mm-hmm. a lot, um, yeah. that doing asana practice, doing some kind of movement practice, be it running, walking, asana, I've been very much into other movement forms um, that are more, um, you know, strength building and, um, and uh, a natural movement, things like that, um, that move our bodies in different way other than asana are really important for me as a mover. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'm better able to then even consider sitting. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Right. That's one, um, <clears throat> one debate I remember having was meditate in the beginning of yoga class or at the end of yoga class, right? Sometimes if you do it in the beginning, you actually get it in, right? If you're uh, you know, and you'd start where you are, which is a one thing, but That's oftentimes right. if you move first, you kind of get all the wiggles out. Right. And then you, yeah. then you actually have your, your, your sitting will be much more peaceful, maybe more accessible pros and cons to both. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I try to do a little bit of both so that people yeah. can have that, that yeah. experience of where am I starting from and wow, where am I now? Yeah. And I think that's the cool thing right about this practice is I oh, think yeah. that's sort of the magic yeah. of this practice no matter what you end up doing um asana wise or movement wise mm-hmm. because I've just you know over the years been thinking so much about 
how any kind of movement practice could, I, I think, could be yoga when there's oh, a mindfulness yeah. to it, oh, right? Definitely. It doesn't it's, have to just be our asana that we know it. Yeah. When you're intently focused on a particular thing, right. And like, you know, if you think of like, you know, runners, right. You're focused, you're going, you're moving. Um, I just uh, recently did an interview with Zuise Goddard, uh, Vanessa Zuise Goddard, and she is a, a longtime runner. And she, uh, I know her from the Zen mountain monastery and, um, you know, so she was a practicing monk there for many years and, and then also running became, you know, a part of the, um, you know, her practice. And, and so it's really interesting. Um, she wrote a book on, um, you know, the, the topic, which is, is just kind of amazing. Um, so yeah, any, any focal point, like in the physicality that you're doing, like definitely can, can be huge. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I try to, to, to really think about that with, with classes, like thinking about, or even in my own practice, sitting and seeing where I really am mm-hmm, and inviting mm-hmm. my students to do the same. Yeah. And then seeing where we are on the other side and yeah. just continuing to come back to the thought of just meeting yourself right where you are as you are. Yeah. And things settle, don't they? Like you, you, you come to a more peaceful place just from something shift. Yeah. Yeah. That and- energy shift is huge. Yeah, I, I remember the analogy, um, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, right, who was like a like big in the meditation world, right, just so revered and so wonderful. But mm. there's a story about him. Um, and uh, we actually went to visit his um, space in Plum Village. Um, and uh, but there's a story like so he has this retreat center and, and there were the kids are welcome. Right. And which is amazing. And he was sitting down and there was a kid at, at, like they were at table picnic table whatever and um it was the way he described like how meditation works like they they had it there was a cup of apple juice like the kind of um natural apple juice that apple juice that has a little bit of sediment in it and so he stirred it up and said you know okay watch what happens and so once it was you know stirred up and things were kind of swirling around the idea of using that as a visual teaching tool for how meditation works is that you just sit and things settle so if you can visualize that swirling kind of apple juice, and then just as you just are peaceful, literally things just settle down. And that's kind of one of the mechanisms of just sit, right? And mm-hmm. things will settle. Mm-hmm. So as far as like, so, you know, I think good reason to do meditation, but as far as like what helps and maybe in particular, like what helps like in the actual sitting practice, like if you are a mover and a doer and you might find it difficult to do the sitting practice, like what are some things that really help that? Well, what helps me obviously is some kind of movement and sometimes before. Yeah. And sometimes it's sitting and even just moving my arms three or four times in a circle with my breath. Okay. Right, just to to feel the movement, to feel the breath, and then um, and 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 you know, sitting sitting on some padding helps, oh, right? right? So right. that I can seat. really comfortable seat. Um, and then for for me, like I tend to give myself like a task, if you will, a task. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I'm going to focus on my breath. Okay. Okay. So there's a job that I have to do. Or that's great go- for A types, right? <laughs> give yeah. me a job. Right? I'm gonna give that's me a good. job. Or I'm going to I want to use this meditation time as a visualization time. Okay. For you know, like there's been something banging around in my head that's like knocking at the door. I'm going to sit and I'm going to try to visualize that thing that's knocking at the door. Okay. Um, and so again, it becomes something for me to do, but mm-hmm. it's a, a, a very focused thing. Right. That's great. Um, and then inevitably it gets worked out and then I can in some way, shape or form or enough that I could put it on the side and then just come back to my breath. Okay. So having, a, having something to do or even do like a mantra mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for a few minutes. Um, yeah. of just saying, breathe, you got this or whatever. Sometimes it's just own, right? Sometimes it's just own. Yeah. Um, 
And after, again, just a couple of minutes, then I can usually just sit. And I don't sit very long, but, mm-hmm. but I don't, for me, I, again, from this, well, I can only speak from my experience. I don't think it necessarily has to be long. Just like your asana practice doesn't have to be 90 minutes, right? you know, 180 minutes, <laughs> yeah. or whatever, right? It can be 15 minutes. Mm, yeah. It could be five minutes. Mm-hmm. It's great. That makes it possible, doable, accessible. That's right. right. In fact, I often tell my students that it's it's more beneficial for you to to pepper movements throughout your day. If you don't have a solid hour where you can roll out a mat, who cares? Like, take a minute between mm-hmm. your meetings or get up every hour. Oh God, yeah. And go move around your space. Do some yeah. breathing, do a wall dog, look out the window if you have mm-hmm. a window, like do something that's going to serve you better than saying, I have to squeeze in, you know, that's just going to stress you out and it's oh, probably wow. not going to happen. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right? Oh, I don't it's have time for my class today. <laughs> and then it just doesn't happen. I love that idea of peppering it throughout your day. You're reminding me of, um, I, I had, I used to uh, work for a, a, a do personal training in home, right? And I would go to people's houses and, and kind of um, do personal training. And I had a client who had this um, tremendous amount of uh, tension in their neck to the point where it was just like completely locked up and tight. And they were just unconsciously holding stress. And that's where they held it. You know, we all have our places where we hold stress, your neck, your jaw, your tush, you know, like places you just like rip up. Right. And he was just really profound. And so what we did was we had him, he had a watch that had a timer on it. So we had him set his timer to go off every hour. And that was his moment to just notice. Like, so the timer would go off, beep, beep, beep. He would turn it off and just notice, am I holding tension in my neck? Cause he was unaware that that's what was happening, mm. but it was pretty profound. And, you know, an outside eye can see, oh yeah, you're holding tension in your neck. Um, but, you know, so it, we used that, that peppering, the checking in throughout the day to help him then just notice the stress was there and just let it go, you know? And so I, I love this idea of, of kind of throughout your day, like doing, like if you could do a couple of movements here and there, you, you mean, for one thing, so many of us are sitting so long throughout the day, I think with much more time on computers in front of the screen, um, you know, to, to just stand up, <laughs> right? you know, uh, but how, how a much more beneficial stand up and maybe do a standing backward bend here or there, like how right. great, right? Count yeah. that sitting. That's right. Sit. I mean, and one of my, one of my clients, I just say, you know, get up, walk around your space, do, you know, there are a few things that we, that she's particularly working on. And I'm just, Mm -hmm. and I said there, you know, get up, walk around your space, get up, walk around your space and do X, you know, do try X, Y, and Z. And and just keep doing that like every hour. And how beneficial, right? She feels so much better too, because she's not just stuck in front of the computer sitting. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, all the stuff that comes with that. Um, yeah. We've changed her seat a little bit. Like she's been wonderful to work with. Um, so good. And open to doing it, right? So it's not like she's resistant. She's so open to doing it and it's, it's, it's paying off. So good. So good. Um, I love that you mentioned that you changed the seat a little bit. Do you mean like you literally had her get a different like office chair? Um, what we did was we, we, she had a seat that she had, she's working from home. Yeah. So, um, but I just say, I suggested to her, you know, like taking some blankets and folding them up on her chair to help her tip forward a little bit to get her oh, pelvis more right. upright. Cause she was working really hard to do that. And it just wasn't paying off. Like she was constantly like rolling back in this chair and rolling back and it's a lovely chair. Mm-hmm. Right. But it just isn't serving her in the way that she needs to be served. She started doing that. And she's like, I, I feel so much better. Like I don't have, you know, the pain in my piriformis in the way I was having it. I'm not having the pain in my lower or discomfort in my lower back. I'm not as stiff. I'm like, super. Like that was That's an easy working. fix. 
That's so great. You have to go buy a new chair. Isn't that great? So what I'm imagining <laughs> is that she was sitting like, so if you, if you imagine your pelvis, like a bowl, right? Ideally yep. you want your pelvis to be relatively upright and maybe even slightly forward, right? Just that little tiny bit. Right. So what I'm imagining is that she was sitting and spilling water out of the back of her pelvic bowl. I you call it, it the subway slump. It's the so easy to do, slump. especially at home, right? You're like, you're relaxed at home, right? So the, I, like the pelvis, right? And it, anatomically, anatomically, it's a posterior pelvic tilt, right? So what you did was just by that little bit of a prop, like you got her to be not, you know, not only upright, but slightly tipped forward, which you is a neutral it. alignment for your pelvis, which then allows your spine to be in a neutral alignment. You have your lumbar curve that is actually a little bit forward, right? And then your thoracic curve is your, so your lumbar curve is in your low back, your thoracic curve in your middle back, which is a little bit moving toward the space behind you. And then your cervical curve, which is in your neck, which is a little bit forward, right? So you want those natural curves. You want to cultivate those natural curves, right? So um, it sounds like that little tip was really awesome. Just like yeah. to get that little bit of a prop that was really good. Super simple and didn't cost her a cent. Fabulous. I love that. <laughs> All the better. All the you better. You mentioned, Beth, that sometimes in meditation you would do mantras. Like, um, can you give us like a few of the mantras that might be possible? Um, again, I come back to breathe a lot. Just breathe, mm -hmm. just breathe, just breathe. Um, so you would literally just repeat to yourself, just breathe. Yeah, or breathing breathe, in, just breathe, mm -hmm. breathing, breathing out, right? This yeah. is simple. Like again, let's inspired by Thich Nhat Hanh, who I just Thich Nhat Hanh. I was just thinking Thich Nhat Hanh, right? But was it breathing in? I calm my body. Breathing, breathing out, out I, smile. I smile. Yeah, yes, yeah. Right? I mean, it's it's so simple. It's so simple, and oh. and I know in many in some traditions that's too much, but in for me, that's what works. And I feel like I feel mm. like that in the end, much like our asana practice. You really have to eventually find your way, find what works for you. Find what works for you. Yeah. I think part of the, the thing to keep in mind is, well, what is it that you are wanting to happen, right? Do you want to, do you want to feel more peaceful? Do you want to not carry around as much stress to your day when you're doing the dishes or the laundry or, you know, um, you know, what is it that you want? And maybe that your why, why is that? You know, um, I remember just recently I was with a friend and I felt like I, you know, the, the plan had changed and they got uh, like a little kind of stressed over, uh, maybe not being able to get something in like they had imagined, right. They had this expectation. And so what occurred to me was that the, the stress and tension that, that they felt in their own body was pretty big. And so my stress and tension when I was around them also grew, mm. you know, so it's like, wow. Um, you know, so as far as what do you want in your day? Like I would think, you know, to be able to drop that stress and tension, not, not only for yourself, but for the people around you, um, you know, so that you can actually enjoy your connection with the other human beings in your life more, you know, <laughs> like, mm. right. It just, um, you know, and, and it was just a simple moment. We were out and about doing something, you know, um, and, uh, you know, so I think if we could think of the why behind, well, why would we want to, why would we even find, you know, pratyahara, that calm in the storm valuable, you know, why would we even think of coming up with a mantra that fits for ourselves or why, if we're like a mover by nature, would we want to maybe go for a run and then maybe sit for a little meditation or, um, you know, why would we want to even, even explore meditation? You know, um, you know, it, the, the why behind it, right? Like, um, yeah, I think that intention is short, piece right? is huge. That intention yeah. piece is so big. And that's something yeah. I often ask my students at the beginning of not every class, but I, I do teach like a, a series class, uh, like a six or eight week series. And I always ask them, why are you here? Hmm. Very good. <laughs> Like, why, why did you sign up for yoga on Monday night? Right. <laughs> right. I think that intention piece is so huge in anything. And like, here we are talking about it in very small context of yoga and meditation, but I, you know, that's huge with anything. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something we often forget or maybe me, right. The why, like, well, why do I, why do I want to have floors in my 
you know, why, why do I want to get rid of the carpet in my living room, right? <laughs> or whatever, mm -hmm. like, those yeah. are huge. And when you start identifying, and I'm just thinking of this now, as you said that, you know, you start identifying those intentions, I think you start really realizing, like, how that's tied into a bigger picture of your values and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and your experience, like, I yeah. mean, it will affect your experience directly. You know, what is the experience you're having in the world, you know? And it just, I think that we come back to that pause again, right? Mm -hmm. Let's pause. Just, you know, you know, when I was, I remember in high school, like I had a group of friends and we used to joke around, like talking like phil philosophically, you know, why are we here? What is our purpose in life? And we would just, we were, we were so quirky and funny and, like, and <laughs> you know and, and but you know if we think about it like the same question you know like why why are we here what is our purpose and you know you, we can kind of begin to to um just appreciate like maybe it's like connection with other people you know like you know it's it's uh it's kind of fun to think about yeah <clears throat> let me ask let me ask you a question beth um if you had to kind of boil down just a few tips for our listeners to take away that they could do uh, maybe today, like once they're done listening, like, um, like what are a few tips that you would offer um, our listeners? I would say if you're sitting right now, listening, get up. <laughs> get up and move something. Um, and be, I know that you're moving something. Um, and it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be, anything particular, right? It doesn't have to be like a yoga pose that you know it can be, but get up and walk around and see what your body is feeling like and what's craving to be moved. Mm. Um, and listen to that. I really think we have this wisdom within us that um, is so easy to ignore when we're, we've got wonderful teachers out there and that's not taking away from my work or your work, mm. but to remind our students that to empower them to trust in themselves that, you know, I always say, I'm, I feel like a, a guide um, mm -hmm. to, to offer suggestions and invitations, but by no means um, do I want it to feel like there isn't room for exploration. I feel like that's a big part of my work is, is opening up space for inquiry and exploration. Yeah. So anyway, to get back to your original question, get up and move and, and see what your body is craving and then try to move that part. That's a good tip. <laughs> um, and then give yourself a breath or two. Mm. Like close your eyes and take a breath or two. So how about that? Close your eyes, take a breath mm. or two, get up, move something that needs to be moved, take another breath, and then go back to what you were doing. Beautiful. I love that. I love <laughs> that. Right? Because you can put that right into your day anywhere you are. That's, awesome. That's right. That's awesome. Oh, gosh. I love that. Uh, let me ask you another question, Beth. If our listeners want to find you, where is the best place that they can find you? I think the best place to find me is my website, which is okay. thisisyourbliss.com. Thisisyourbliss.com. Uh, thisisyourbliss.com. That. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm also on Facebook. I do a little bit of Twitter and a few other things, but, but Facebook is probably the best place. Um, Yoga Bliss and Reiki Bliss. They're two separate pages. Oh, great. Good to differentiate. Okay. Yoga yeah. Bliss and Reiki Bliss. We haven't even talked about Reiki at all. Like that's actually uh, a, a, another whole, another whole um, uh, thing we could talk about. Uh, I would love it, Beth, uh, like if you would, um, I, I just, first of all, I'm so grateful for you coming on the show and sharing your wisdom and just our conversation's been like so fun. I'm so grateful and I would love it. There's so, I mean, there's so much more we could talk about. I would love it if you would come on the show again, would you be up for coming on again? I would love to, Francis. Thank you so much. It's really been a joy to, to chat with you. I love talking yoga. So right? better and to it, talk it through with. Isn't it good? Right. Good. And, and the thing, hopefully like the, the information like that our listeners will be able to like take things away and will be helpful. Um, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Well, I look forward to then seeing you again soon. Yeah, we'll talk Lakey and who knows what else. That sounds awesome. Thank you so much, Beth. I Thank look forward you, to our next conversation. Me too. Okay, take care. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Based on what we talked about, I made a special download for you entitled Pratyahara Primer. We talk a little bit about cultivating peace in the middle of a storm. 
You can find this on my website, www.taylorfitwellness.com on the resources page and also in the show notes. I hope this is helpful. Have a great rest of your day and we'll look forward to seeing you the next time. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.